You are listening to the Intentionally International Congregation podcast. We are the Reverend Matthew Lafferty, the Reverend Anitra Kitts, and the Reverend David Smith, three Americans living in Europe and involved with English-speaking congregations in non-English-speaking countries. We think that there's something interesting going on in these congregations, and we want to share what we learn with you. In today's episode, we are delighted to welcome Pastor Laura Mick Ahe Alamwalsi, who is an ordained Pentecostal minister from Togo. He serves as the founding pastor of the Living Generations Church in Hamburg, Germany. Among his many academic credentials, Pastor Nick studied at the University of Applied Sciences for Intercultural Theology in Hermannsburg and received a Master of Arts in Ecumenical Studies from the University of Bonn. I had the privilege of studying with Nick when he was in Bonn and have learned a great deal from him about the development of post-migration ecclesial communities in Germany. I moved to Germany almost 10 years ago. Looking back now, I can see how much more I now know about living away from my home language and culture than when I first arrived. I've come to understand how much all of us who leave home still bring with us from home how we see the world, God, and each other. In our last season, we talked to people who are much like ourselves, men and women who were still parts of the global north, Americans of European descent, who were making the jump back across the Atlantic. We might be moving back toward our grandparents or our great-grandparents' homelands, but we don't remember those lands and their ways. We grew up where we grew up. And all of us so far have been Americans navigating a place that is new to us. What is it to do ministry in a place where our language is what pulls Christians in from the north, from the south, from the east, and the west to a common table? How do we hold this table together in a way that reflects the justice of the community of God? I thought I'd started to understand something about the nature of the English-speaking congregation in a non-English-speaking country. And then David and I spent some time talking to a pastor from Toga, who is now working and ministering in Hamburg, Germany. I discovered again that Jesus' great welcoming table is still larger than I had thought. Good morning. First of all, my name is Elom Nick Ayalemausi, or simply put, Nick, originally from Togo and uh, based in uh, Hamburg. Um, I am an ordained minister in, uh, originally from a Pentecostal church, but I am now leading a congregation that is termed here in Germany or in the sociological discourse in Europe as post-migration, a post-migration church. So the church is called the Living Generation Church. I am the founder and uh, the leading pastor of the congregation. So I'm glad to be here and to be part of this conversation. Before the pandemic, Living Generation welcomed between 250 to 300 people and worship most Sundays. Like many congregations, the church moved an online presence with limited in-person attendance during COVID lockdown, which was still going on when we recorded our conversation in September of 2021. 
The church was officially licensed four years ago, but has been in existence for six years total. The congregation is composed of mostly young adults and uses both German and English in worship leadership. Pastor Nick, who is the head of staff at Living Generation, is in the process of completing his PhD in theology, ecumenical, and interreligious dialogue at Bonn University, and is published in academic texts and magazines. I think, I think at the moment, I'm interested in that term post-migration church, and I think that's a really good place for us to start. That's right. Um, we cannot talk about the post-migration church without talking about migrant churches. Um, in, in Europe, there have been a, an immigration uh, of uh, or a number of uh, people moving from the global south to the global north, especially from um, Africa. And so when these people come in here, um, what they do is that they establish their own churches um, where they, they, they worship, where they do have fellowship. Um, then it's also the question, what accounts to this since there are already churches here? And when they come, when don't they join these churches? Now, it is clear that uh, these people experience a lot of discrimination and racism in their society. And when we are talking about a society, we are talking about people. And the church is also composed, made of people who are members of the society. So simply put, they experience also this discrimination and uh, racism in the churches here. For that matter, they will choose to go and create their own church, uh, churches where they can worship. That is just uh, one point. The other reality is also um, culture differences. People feel better when they can worship God their way. And uh, we know that religion and religious practices cannot be detached from um, one's culture. So when they come here and they join the established churches in Europe, they realize that there is these culture differences and the way the spirituality and the Christianity is being uh, experienced or practiced is far different from what they know at home. So for that matter, they do gather themselves, they form their own congregations when they can worship God or express their Christianity in the way that they are very familiar with. There are many other reasons because these churches also become a network, a support system for these um, uh, immigrants um, who have uh, different or diverse but similar experiences. So through this network, they are able to help one another, support one another, and have for themselves um, another, um, uh, what uh, um, 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 Professor Kwabena referred to as home away from home. You know, they have that new home here in the new land. Yeah, so that is the, uh, the, the migrant churches. Now, as time goes on after 20 years, 30 years, these uh, people are having children here in Germany or the second generations are being born. Now, remember these ones have no migration experiences or background. They are born into the German community. They are growing up in the German community. They are educated here in the German system. And um, their worldviews are more or less informed 
by the, the realities in which they are growing up here. So as they grow, their realities now begin to change from their parents' realities. Now they are now in between two worlds, um, the European world and also the world of their parents. So for some reasons, they do no longer really feel at home in their parents' churches because um, the realities there, which is highly informed by the Africans' worldviews, differ from the worldviews of these young ones. And of course, they want to have a different form, uh, of, they have different form experiences and they want to express this also um, in terms of their religiosity and in terms of how they express their Christianity. Now, they no longer feel at home in the churches of their parents, but they do not also feel at home in the German established churches uh, because it does not also accommodate their new realities, which is the fusion of different worldviews or, or of cultures. Um, so there is in here a, a creation of a transcultural experience, which can only be um, expressed in a transcultural setting. So these new churches, these um, second generation individuals begin now to form their own churches where they can accommodate both people from African backgrounds, also from German backgrounds into this transcultural space where they can ex express their Christianity and their religiosity. So these churches are being referred to as post-migration churches. I, I think this is fascinating with your the conversation about this transition between first and second generation. And, and what you've seen is a need to found something entirely new. And it's interesting to me that in my research and in some of the other things that uh, the kinds of churches we've uh, looked at in this podcast so far, um, we have various forms of what it means to be an international church, and in many ways similar, though obviously different in some ways, conversations have been happening within these churches. Um, and it, uh, it reminds me of a couple of things, one of which is that based on all that you've said so far, it seems clear to me that any simple description of, oh, it's just about culture, oh, it's just about theology, it's just about worship, it, it won't fly. <laughs> because it seems to me from what you're saying that these, these realities are, are deeply entangled and intermeshed and interwoven from theology to culture to education to language to spiritual practice. It's, it's not one reason, it's, it's all these different factors. Um, and then you also talked about this, this fact that, um, you know, you, you have now first generation folks coming in. And, and it reminded me of something a long time ago that Adolf Keller, a Swiss theologian who was an expatriate pastor for German migrants in, uh, in Egypt back in the 1930s, um, talked about how churches that are founded with, for whatever reason, to, to meet a specific need, always find a point in their history, just due to the passing of time, 
where they have to go back and look at their founding mission and see if it still applies and reevaluate. That I think he said it more concisely to say churches are always coming up, coming up to a point where they're inconsistent with their founding values. Um, and so I guess I'll just ask, would you like to respond to that uh, word cloud that I just dumped on you? <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, this is very interesting. And I think this is exactly what is happening in the African communities. Going back to the founding mission, one of the challenges that this, um, the second generation of Africans have is that, look, we have friends there who are not German, uh, Africans, who have no African background. They are not from our countries. They are from different countries. They are our mates, we meet in school, we do things together. And we would be glad if our place of worship can also be a place where we can welcome these individuals with whom we share a lot in common. But then the migrant churches do not really serve these purposes. Um, how can I invite a friend of mine who is a German to an African church where the predominant language, though they are speaking English, but the predominant language is three, or even the pastor will be speaking English and switch to the local language. And then the practices there are not things which, you know, they are things which are really culturally informed. So it will be very strange to even invite my friend there. And sometimes they use the word, we are ashamed to invite our friends there to come and uh, be part of our spiritual experiences. So um, the second generation now completely moves away from the founding missions of the first generation. And they are having a new vision and mission together. Now, most of the first generation which are joining, one of the characteristics of these people is that you will see that they are people who are educated and who have really integrated the German community. So that is a, a, a characteristics of these people. So when they come here, because of their education background and because of their full integration into the community, they feel also at home. Though sometimes I may confess that they also, there are some, you know, the problem now is not a cultural difference, but it's now the generation gap here because most of the things going on now is more young spirit oriented. And uh, we now need to find a bridge between the generations. That is another thing we are working on, but uh, with time we will get there. I think Pastor Nick is doing something that is interesting. I'm struck by his use of the phrase post-migration rather than second generation, because it makes clear the disconnects that fall between the life experiences of the generations. This change in wording sparked something of an insight for me. I started wondering how maybe all the classic English-speaking congregations in Europe, everything ranging from the Hasiotic Trading um, League, which was three, four hundred years ago, to the ones who were established in the eight, mid to late 1800s, when businessmen brought their families across the Atlantic and down the channel 
and the ones established to serve military bases um, after World War II. All of these congregations are based on a permanent existence as a first-generation, a migrant-generation congregation. People come and go on short-term corporate contracts, or people come and stay because they fell in love with the country or with someone who lives in that country. But the primary focus of the congregation remains on that existence as a first-generation migrant congregation, no matter how many decades have passed. I am the Reverend Anitra Kitts, and together with the Reverend Matthew Lafferty and the Reverend David Smith, we produce this podcast, Intentionally International.